All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining, uh, Daniela. This is obviously quite a treat for me to uh, be able to interview a special lady who uh, is leading us through some difficult times here in Miami. So with all, with all the podcast uh, guests, we tend to kind of treat it like a biography. So it's That's really great. easy. You know, it's little simple questions like, uh, for example, Daniela, mayor of Miami-Dade, where were you born? Well, good morning. I'm so happy to be with you. I was born in New York City in 1955 uh, in Washington Heights. That's near the George Washington Bridge. Okay. Um, and so basically, how long were you in New York? Did you travel a bit when you were young? Yes. So I lived in New York City till I was about three. Then we moved to the suburbs to Westchester County, Ossining, New York. And I lived there. Uh, I lived in Brazil and Chile and then back to New York City, where I attended high school in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and then uh, from there, I went on to college in New Haven at Yale University. And uh, on from there to graduate school in New York City at Columbia in Law and Social Work, getting uh, two degrees, two graduate degrees. And in between that, I lived in Atlanta. Uh, took a year off between college and starting graduate school, and also spent the summers uh, thereafter in in um, in it, in Atlanta. But before that, over the summers in high school uh, and college, I was living in different places. I lived in London. I lived in Puerto Rico, and um, had a really wonderful experience moving all around. Until finally, I moved to Miami. Uh, and uh, have been here for 40 years. Wow. Okay. So let's back it up a bit. Uh, what did you uh, What did you study when you were uh, when you went to university for for undergrad? Undergraduate degree was in uh, social work, um, and I got. Uh, I'm so sorry. My undergraduate degree was in psychology, and with a focus on child psychology. Uh, mm. So. Uh, that, that was my plan was to focus on helping children and families. Uh, that, that was always my ambition. Okay. And so obviously there's academia, there's studying books, but when did you first realize that you were passionate about kind of like community development and when did you, when did it really become real for you? Well, I mean, I started my, my work in the community at about age 12. I helped my mom in the favelas of Rio, the slums of Rio. Uh, with uh, little girls to help them learn a trade, embroidery. Uh, and she had a little sewing group that came to the house. And uh, after that, I was always involved in service work of one kind or another. When we lived outside of Chicago, I was tutoring uh, kids, um, mostly from Poland, actually, uh, in the inner city. And uh, in law school, I did work at a children's psychiatric hospital. And... Um, Continued my work with the homeless, uh, mentally ill, uh, basically immigrants, <laughs> uh, public housing residents. So it's always been part of my life. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm actually curious, like, what uh, what was your this opportunity to travel so much? Were your parents, uh, what kind of prompted your parents kind of bringing you to so many different places? Uh huh. My dad was in foreign business. He worked with a company that built sawmills. He traveled all around the world on that business. And sometimes there were stints when he was working with the local company. 
So that was part of my childhood, him traveling or us traveling as a family. And then I guess you would say I, I got it in my blood and traveling was, was so wonderful and something that I was uh, excited to do on my own. So I got to live in, in Puerto Rico and London on my own, uh, Atlanta, which was where I met my future husband. And then his family was from Miami. So we ended up relocating to Miami. Yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, let's kind of start the, the new chapter in Miami. Um, so you got involved. Uh, I did read a bit about um, Catalyst Miami and the Prosperity Campaign. Um, so what was that all about, Prosperity Campaign? I started this organization to help people uh, improve their standard of living and also to become more engaged in civic life. So uh, Human Services Coalition at the time, now the Catalyst Miami, was always about lifting people up financially. And the Prosperity Campaign pulled it all together where people could get access to a range of supports and services to help them improve their standard of living. Um, there was an earned income tax credit from the federal government that many people didn't know about that could really transform their, their lives, uh, pay off debt, buy a car, get a better job, buy a house. We had numerous stories of people who truly were changing uh, their future trajectory as a result. Um, uh, other programs that were available that people didn't know about to assist them, particularly with welfare reform and people not just being able to continue to receive a government check. It was critically important that people in low wage jobs would have access to these different things that could allow them to pay the rent and pay for their children's care and so on. So that was the prosperity campaign. And we started it also through the workplace because again, with the changes in the way social services were delivered, people were all in the workplace. They weren't home collecting a check to be able to take care of their children. So uh, they, we went to the employers and we said, help us reach your employees. We can put more money in their pockets that will make them more stable financially, make them less likely to turn over be more, and be grateful to you for having uh, supported them to get this help. Uh, and then the economy will win because people will be spending more money uh, on goods and services, employing others and generally stimulating the economy. So it was what we called a no-cost win-win-win and was very successful and nationally recognized uh, and continues to this day, not just through the work for, uh, workplace, but in general through a, a network of other organizations that assist and now uh, increasingly helping people with savings and uh, getting access to loans, uh, support for their small business development, everything that will help people to be more uh, prosperous and to benefit the whole economy and community. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so speaking of jobs and obviously, you know, focusing on those who have jobs, but what about, what do you see as some of the, some of the new jobs that we can create in Miami in terms of um, putting to work more people like people who might have been recently homeless or where do you see some some job opportunities that we can create? Yes, I'm very focused on that, of course, as mayor and coming out of the pandemic. Uh, we, we do have the economy uh, rebounding. Uh, certainly tourism continues to be a key driver. And so a lot of the little restaurants and retail that cater to tourism are, are able to come back online. Unfortunately, so many did lose their businesses and their life savings during this pandemic. 
Uh, but as well, we do have new jobs. We have a lot of tech and uh, finance and, and uh, other companies moving here for quality of life. That's creating new jobs. And we're working with our career source, which does the job training and placement to make sure that people can avail themselves of those opportunities. And we're also investing in a lot of new infrastructure jobs. So the buildings, the transportation improvements, uh, the transit system, the water and sewer rebuild, all of those things create jobs. And we are working hard to make sure that there's a pipeline to get our, our residents into those jobs. Right. And so is there any kind of uh, um, subsidized like training or education, for example, in construction, I'm, I'm assuming it's, it's good to, for example, someone who knows nothing about construction, but there's a lot of jobs in construction. Is it, is there a way we can kind of subsidize more education, trade education? Yes, trade education is so essential. Those jobs are well paid. Uh, they are not exported. <laughs> you know, they're right here in our community. And we've heard stories of, of uh, skilled work people coming from out of state uh, to take those jobs because we don't have the adequate workforce. So, of course, we're focused on growing our apprenticeship programs, making sure that uh, in high school there's pre-apprenticeship programs. Those are things that will really feed into to those good jobs. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's kind of like step back and look a bit across Miami, across the skyline, across the, the, the whole entire district. What are, what are some areas that you would really like to see Miami improve? Oh, there's so much. First, we have to get through this pandemic. Obviously, we all know that that's the, the first uh, challenge and, and we're doing well, but we still have room to improve. Uh, then we have to focus on our environment. We're in a very fragile uh, ecosystem here uh, with rising increased uh, storms and, and flooding. Uh, and we have, um, you know, again, those create jobs of all sorts, but they are our challenges. We call it the existential threats. Uh, we also have to be more affordable. We need to have housing that people can afford, transportation that reliably gets people to where they need to go. Uh, in, in a reasonable amount of time and reasonable cost. Uh, and we need to do it all equitably. We need to be sure that as we make these investments that uh, the different communities, diverse communities here uh, all benefit, that we're not just uh, kind of giving it to those who've always done well, but that we're reaching into those pockets of the community that have been left behind. Yeah, for sure. And, and so some of our citizens in Miami there's obviously a lot of, um, I, I saw recently that the, even like the, um, like the army was doing a study on potentially putting up walls around Brickell area to just mm -hmm. like storm prevention. And obviously the, like the, you know, the day-to-day -day citizen doesn't want to kind of ruin completely the, the, the coastline, the view and the, and the, and the, the ambiance and everything. And we, we definitely want to all kind of do something different or, or, something better than that, uh, than, than the kind of, than putting up walls around each other. Um, what are some things that each and every citizen can do maybe just to make a small impact? Uh, obviously, if we, if each and, each and one of us does something, it's not necessarily going to change the world, but uh, there's definitely some green practices we can undertake. Is there any kind of green practices that you think the, the county can do a bit better at? Oh, so many things. And we have now our sea level rise strategy, that's an, a detailed report with all of the recommendations. We have a climate change strategy. Uh, we have changes in the building code. 
Uh, we're banning fertilizers during the rainy season to stop pollution going into the bay, putting more solar installations on county buildings, working with uh, large office buildings to reduce their carbon output, uh, more electric infrastructure. We're gonna have the largest electric bus fleet on the East Coast uh, very soon, new electric buses coming. So, um, I mean, we need to both reduce our carbon and also uh, adapt in ways. Uh, the Army Corps of Engineers uh, proposal to build a big wall uh, obviously comes with a lot of controversy. Uh, clearly, we do have to do things to mitigate the future uh, flood risk, uh, and we're working to modify the plan so that it's something that is more conducive to our, our beautiful environment and takes advantage of some natural features like um, uh, uh, spoil islands that could be built, more mangrove plantings, different things that can slow down water coming into our, especially low-lying communities and those close to water bodies like canals. Yeah, no, if one thing I learned about Miami is uh, we like that things look good. <laughs> we like it to look good and uh, aesthetically pleasing. So I think we'll we'll have to innovate and uh, come up with our own solutions as well. Um, and so on that front, actually, I think uh, one thing that looks really good is green spaces. So, um, you know, personally, I, I live in South Beach right next to Flamingo Park, which is an amazing park that fulfills all my needs for sports and stuff like that. But when I travel greater Miami, um, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of wondering, you know, where could we have more parks? And so I, I do know, you know, you cut the ribbon on the underline and, and Brickle. And there was also, uh, I saw there was the 120 acre Tree Island Park. Um, obviously, there's probably many things on the roadmap, but what are some some awesome green space projects that uh, that have you excited? Yeah, well, we are absolutely paradise for our open spaces and people are flocking here. Uh, because we can do year-round um, recreation right right here in our backyard. We have two national parks, which is unprecedented. No other county in the country can claim that. We've got Everglades and Biscayne National Park, of course, a watery park. <laughs> and uh, we have a great network of county parks and then 34 cities that have their own parks. So so it's, it's all really um, very extensive. We have bicycling trails and many more on the way, the underline Ludlam Trail feeding into the West Aid Trail, uh, Everglades Biscayne Greenway down in the Homestead area. So uh, we're bicycling, uh, walking, um, swimming, boating, fishing, paradise. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're pretty good at that already. Um, obviously, uh, you know, there's probably some, how you say, uh, dead zones or, or areas that, that are not within a mile of a park, but it most, we do have some good parks here, the park system. Um, and I think that's pretty important, especially uh, to promote, you know, more people being active, um, especially the weather. I mean, I was wondering just like, you know, in terms of Miami being a walking town, uh, it's getting better and better at that with more development. Um, what, what's maybe something else we could do to make Miami more of a walking town? Yeah, well, we just launched Vision Zero, which means zero, pedestrian and cycling uh, deaths and serious injuries. And that oh. is something we have to work on because we do have, unfortunately, uh, a high rate of, of uh, danger for pedestrians and cyclists from distracted drivers, speeding, uh, you know, you name it. And so 
Also, we don't have the adequate infrastructure that we need to protect the bicyclists on the roadways. So that's why the trails are important, but we also have to have for everyday uh, street cycling better features. We've, we now are purchasing and installing something called armadillos, which create a buffer, a barrier uh, for the bicycle lane from the cars. That is, is proven uh, very effective. And we're, there's green striping and other things where we set aside safe, safer walkways. So uh, yes, we want to encourage everyone to, to get out and enjoy the beautiful weather, uh, but we do need to, to do more to keep everyone safe on the roadways. Basically, my administration is doubling down on the fact that we're here for people over cars. Cars are not our priority, and we need to design with that in mind. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, so I'm going to step back and take a question from uh, some of the friends that I have who uh, were very interested in, in proposing questions. So one from Serena, and I'll, this is relating back to the homeless. Uh, how can we better assist and enable our homeless community to attain stable jobs and housing, especially with the tech boom kind of pushing out maybe some or, or elevating housing prices in downtown? Our homeless trust is a national model. They've done a really great job. Our homelessness is at a lower level than other equivalent uh, cities. Uh, yet we know that we have a huge problem. The housing costs are high. People come here because, uh, you know, to, if they have to live outside, it's easier to do it here than in a cold climate. But mostly we have people that really have serious needs for help finding adequate jobs uh, and the housing costs are so expensive. So, you know, people on the street, some of them have multiple issues and others are, are people who are, are just not able to afford uh, to, to be in, in housing in the private market. So we are looking at increasing access to housing for this population. Uh, tr with transitional housing. Hopefully we'll be able to use some of the dollars from our American Rescue Plan to invest in some additional housing options. And, uh, you know, we have street uh, folks, street uh, outreach workers going out, engaging uh, people on who are living on the streets and trying to get them into the programs that the Homeless Trust offers to get them started uh, back to, to uh, being housed. Yeah, okay. And so... I enjoy uh, in Miami volunteering uh, once a week at the rescue mission, serving lunch. I mean, they, they, you know, they definitely appreciate having volunteers. Um, so I, I love asking this question because you have a quite, a, quite the perspective of the whole county. Uh, what are a few volunteering opportunities that you think are under capacity and could leverage some more of our awesome citizens? Mm, well, great question. And like you say, there are quite a number of organizations serving the homeless that can use help. Uh, certainly the parks, the parks need love. There's numerous organizations helping with programming at parks or cleanup at parks. Uh, we've got um, um, programs to help with literacy uh, through the libraries uh, and, and uh, tutoring programs. We have a lot of uh, nonprofits that are directly working uh, with children and families. And then also our seniors, there's certainly always a need for uh, supporting uh, those who are older or, or disabled. And, um, you know, I would say that uh, 211, which is our general information and referral uh, hotline, is a great place to call and find out about volunteer opportunities. And United Way uh, also 
has extensive opportunities uh, through their network of nonprofits for volunteering. Yeah, yeah, I volunteer. I tutor the kids uh, with United Way. Uh, you can like oh, tutor great. from like from your iPad. You can just like help help kids read. Right, um, right. It's quite a great opportunity that some people are yeah. taking advantage of. Um, well, and, also, and I'll I, mention yeah. as well the many many beach cleanup and environmental groups. Uh, so there's there's quite a few. If if you know that's what you you want to do is help keep our place beautiful and clean uh, and reduce pollution too. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff. I saw an email uh, for uh, for anyone who likes music. There's Salvation Salvation Army is doing like a summer camp for kids, and uh, they need volunteers mm. to to kind of like spend the day and and teach different things that they might be passionate about. So any artists oh, nice. out there mm-hmm. want to work with the kids, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I actually have a lot of. A lot of friends uh, who are, you know, they're, uh, how you say, they're in their golden years. And uh, some of them are realizing, you know, the how awesome it feels to give back and to be involved in the community, even if it means, for example, volunteering at a botanical garden or a museum or there's anywhere that you're kind of have a uh, passion for that space, you can become an active part of it. And so that's something that Ali Shapiro, one of our previous guests, she she's like a super volunteer and She's really living her best life doing that. And so I think that's that's one thing that we could really do is motivate more of the elderly to get more involved in the community and because uh, they have a lot of free time, right? In, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, yeah. being able to volunteer during the daytime hours. Um, so I think that's something that, you know, we could definitely motivate more of in Miami and um, potentially, you know, yourself, you, you obviously are an inspiration to so many, um, you know, obviously, you uh, especially some of my, some of my older friends, you know, they, they te- definitely look up to you and, and, and have immense respect. So, um, that's, thank you. Thank you yeah. very much. Not that you can't motivate the, the kids in high school. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, <laughs> they have their own idols, you know, and so uh-huh, you are, uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, at this point, I love to ask, uh, just in general, you obviously covered so much, but, uh, what are some of your key strengths as a community leader? Ah, Well, I think that the most important thing is that I listen and I really do care about what people are experiencing, uh, how we can make their lives better, uh, what are their suggestions and ideas. I do believe that it's a partnership, government and the community. Uh, And so, you know, we're not elected just to do what we think is best. We're we're elected to to be in touch. uh, And and, uh, yeah, I think it's really important to listen. Um, after that, you know, I'm, I'm obviously trying very hard to make good decisions. I try to weigh all the information on both sides of, uh, or many sides of an issue, learn everything I can about it, uh, get input from all the stakeholders before I make uh, a decision. And then I also bring my values to my work, the, the value of inclusion, uh, making sure people have uh, equal access to opportunities that that people uh, aren't left out of the equation, um, that we're doing things in a way that are good for the environment, uh, not further uh, contributing to the pollution of our bay, our water, our our air. Uh, And um, yeah, and that we're doing it with kindness, that we're always uh, making sure to have compassion for people uh, in our community. Uh, so yeah. those are some of the ways that I think, some of the things I bring to, to the job. 
I think you have a great smile. I think you do. <laughs> I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's something great. people appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> you remind me, I was nice. reading this book about uh, South Beach. Uh, they used to call the women who came here uh, cheesecakes. <laughs> because they would always be smiling like big big smiles and then uh yeah i I just just like it just like weird like that but i think obviously covid was difficult with wearing masks all the time but uh, i think it was Mm -hmm. a certain certain kind of uh almost even better to finally see the smiles come out you know (laughs) after that's uh, funny thank you well i'm smiling because i'm i'm really uh happy to meet people know people and serve that's why i smile that's a great opportunity to, to be able to serve and, and make mm-hmm. a difference. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, at the same time, it's, it's a, it's interesting, you know, I, I another question from a friend. Um, so obviously, you know, you've shared a lot about your background, but you know, if you really had to put in into a few sentences again, like how did your background prepare you to be a mayor of the city? Would you say it's your Latin upbringing or just experiencing Latin America? Cause it's such a, such a diverse city. Uh, so to really empathize with everybody, you know, it's great to be able to speak Spanish, Portuguese, to have those experiences. Um, so obviously that's probably, I'm already answering the question, but how, from Harvey, how did your background prepare you for being mayor of this city? Oh, goodness. Well, first of all, a life of service. So the fact that I've done this work for a long time, uh, so I, you know, I, I, I'm not a stranger to the issues or how you get things done. Um, uh, I think my incredible network of, of people in the community groups and individuals who are there to help uh, inform and uh, support the work that I do. I think that's incredibly important. Uh, and then that I am fortunate enough to have the time and the space and uh, the support that I need to, to do this work. So I think those are a few of the things. So do you, uh, you're, you're pretty fluent in, uh, are you fluent in Spanish and Portuguese? No, I'm not really. Well, I would say I am somewhat fluent in Spanish and really not at all in Portuguese. So unfortunately I lost that along the way, <laughs> but. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's, it's important to, to know Spanish. Actually, um, yeah, if anyone out there in Miami wants to get better at Spanish, there's a great site called preply.com. You can find basically a friend to chat with you once a week. And if, oh, if you have two monitors, yeah, if you have two yeah. monitors up, it's way better than Duolingo. You can basically learn really fast by carrying a conversation about your life, telling uh, the story of your week, uh, past, you know, past tense and future tense. And um, basically, you know, I've, I've been learning very fast through that platform, just finding friends to chat with every week. Uh, and I highly encourage people in Miami to uh, leverage that opportunity. So definitely it'd be, it'd be nice to see uh, more people, you know, fluently speaking both languages so we can all all, all kind of understand each other even better. Um, and so we're about the point where uh, we start covering a bit more about your uh, your personality, Daniela. So oh my goodness. Okay. What, is, uh, what is one good healthy habit that you have that others can easily adopt? Oh, goodness. Well, I will say sleep is very important. <laughs> I, I just don't know how you could do anything if you don't get a good night's sleep uh, or however you manage to sleep, whatever. So I just say, uh, uh, unfortunately, the COVID pandemic has been so devastating. Um, for me, it has in one way helped 
which is fewer evening activities. <laughs> so uh, it is very, very important. I would say exercise also, which I don't do as much as I preach, but anything that people can do to exercise and also to be in touch with nature. I think that is really, really important. It always grounds me and takes my mind off of whatever is the preoccupation concern of the moment. So I think kind of getting that uh, clear uh, headspace, and you could do it lots of different ways, but those are a couple of, of the ways. Um, and then giving back, I think, is also emotionally very, very satisfying. Uh, helping people, uh, caring about people in small or big ways, those are things that really keep you going. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to maybe like a, a nature uh, outdoor experience that you really enjoy, uh, what comes to mind first in terms of one of your favorite like outdoor Miami experiences? Uh huh. Well, uh, first of all, my um, I, I'm constantly uh, doing these outdoor activities. That's been a, a theme throughout my life. I, I grew up hiking in the woods with my dad every weekend uh, taking adventure vacations in wilderness areas. And then uh, in my uh, adult life, those have been the majority of our times away and with the family, whether it's uh, Everglades uh, canoeing um, or rafting on wild rivers, uh, sailing. <laughs> These are our biggest pastimes and they are so very, very wonderful. Yeah. So do you ever, uh, obviously hiking, finding mountains is tough in Florida. Do you ever take trips to uh, some other areas of the country where you can hike? Well, first of all, there are hikes right here. There's this, uh, the Florida Trail, uh, which you can take. It goes through the Everglades uh, and then on up. And it's really quite glorious. So I definitely recommend it to people better in the winter than the summer, <laughs> buggy and hot, but uh, definitely really worthwhile, uh, beautiful. Uh, and throughout Florida, there are incredible areas to explore, the springs, the uh, central Florida parks, lots of rivers to canoe uh, in Florida. And we've done many multi-day trips as well. So really, really worth exploring. Of course, lots of um, along the coast, uh, wonderful areas to explore. And um, as far as travel, yes, we've traveled all over the country and some around the world doing these nature trips. Uh, a lot of time in Alaska and Yukon on wild rivers, Idaho, uh, Colorado, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, so there's many, many wonderful places to explore if you can afford to, to get away as well. Yeah, no, obviously a great answer though. <laughs> Definitely Florida has a, a lot to explore, uh, keeping it. Keeping, uh, keeping kind of the discovery here at home is great and, and very important. Um, so you've covered so much, but I'm, I'm a greedy guy. I, I want to know more. What is one interesting thing that most people don't know about you? <laughs> oh, well, uh, <laughs> most people do now know I'm a, I'm a grandma. So it's not really a secret, oh, nice. but it's something yes. I like to talk about every chance I can get. You know, I, I prayed and prayed and pushed for grandchildren. I used to tell the folks that I would visit at senior housing that they should lend me theirs because I didn't have one. But now <laughs> I'm very excited. I have two wonderful, wonderful granddaughters. And uh, I talk to them on the phone by Zoom at least every other day because they live in Washington. And 
of course, after now with the vaccines, I've finally in the last couple of months been able to see them a few times. So maybe people don't know that, you know, I'll drop anything to get on my Zoom call with my grandchildren. Oh, that's great. Yeah, definitely. One thing that the pandemic has had an effect is more people FaceTiming and utilizing that channel yes, or yes. Zoom or exactly. um, setting up weekly calls with family members at a scheduled time. It's it's mm -hmm. so healing to do that. And that's something that mm -hmm. what's one one bonus from COVID is just us realizing mm -hmm. that we have this video channel that we can turn on and, and still feel connected. Um, so it's something I, I hope to carry forward uh, even you know <laughs> past the pandemic. Um, definitely. Uh, so, all right, we have only a couple of questions left here, and these are always fun for the for the community to hear. Um, what are some of your favorite restaurants in Miami? Mm. Uh, yes. Uh, well, I really like Talavera. It's a Mexican restaurant in Coral Gables, and um, their pastis uh, in South Miami, a French restaurant. Uh, um, both of them have outdoor seating, which is great. Uh, I, um, I love Peruvian food, uh, and my favorite is Salmon y Salmon, uh, mm. a great little uh, neighborhood place. Um, uh, so those are a few. Yeah, that's great. Definitely some new ideas for people to check out stuff. Um, one other question I had is... Uh, so I'm, I'm just, uh, I've been very impressed with your team. Obviously, Tony is great. Actually, Tony knows uh, my neighbor, Fran, and they actually traveled together. And t Tony is uh, an amazing person who you know, I had the pleasure of emailing with <laughs> for quite some time. But uh, uh, I think your team is amazing. But uh, other than that, or, or maybe inclusive of that, uh, what, are, what do you credit uh, for your resilience? Because obviously, you're a very resilient person. So in your history, in your, in your yeah. life, what do you credit for your resilience? Uh, that's a really wonderful question. And um, I do have so many wonderful people in my life. And I guess I was so very fortunate that people believed in me from before I was born. You know, there's a little activity that uh, we did in our uh, leadership training at Catalyst Miami, my former nonprofit, in which you're asked to imagine who was in the room when you were born, metaphorically speaking, not maybe physically present. And what were their hopes, dreams, and expectations for you? And some people said, like, nobody expected anything of them or expected them to amount to nothing, or which is just horrifying to hear. And in my world, everybody was just excited, ready, thought I could do whatever I would set out to. This is before they met me, right? <laughs> so that was very high expectations, which could also be intimidating. But I think that sense of people believing and supporting and uh, wanting my success is really the reason that I'm so resilient. And so for people who don't have that naturally uh, as part of their early life, uh, it, it really can make a difference when a teacher or a neighbor, a friend, a relative, you know, shows up in that way for a person. And that's what makes us believe in ourselves that others believe in us too. That's great. Yeah. And uh, if anyone out there wants to be a big brother or a big sister, those are great programs to kind of, you know, take a child under your wing and, and kind of dream for them, you know, basically believe in them to, uh, mm -hmm. to basically become something great. And so sometimes the kids really need that. And, and that's an opportunity I was, I had the opportunity to participate in, in Boston and being a big brother, mm -hmm. a big sister is a great thing. And I think that is the more of our kids need that someone who believes in them. And obviously, 
the more you have people who believe in you, the more you have to live up to that, which is, you know, can be scary, but it's also uh, an amazing opportunity to, uh, to kind of leverage all that, uh, all that, all that, you know, belief and uh, energy mm -hmm. and support. And it's, uh, it's, you know, people who are great, a lot of them have great support systems or they, they make them at mm -hmm. least, um, and they, and they mm -hmm. discover them. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was actually curious, um, so being mayor, that's pretty awesome. What are you going to do after being mayor? Do you have any thoughts about that? <laughs> um, I'm very busy being mayor and, uh, my life has been about a series of opportunities that I have taken. Uh, and you know, when I get to that fork in the road, I'll take it. Uh, I'm planning to be mayor for eight years. And um, oh, wow. after that, you know, of course, I, I have to be reelected to serve for eight, but that's my hope and my plan. Uh, and after that, I probably spend more time with the grandchildren. Wow. So you can serve 16 years as mayor? No, 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 no. Eight is the reelection. Okay. No, two, okay, so. two four year terms. Yeah, that would be. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, pl that's yeah. plenty. Yeah, it's similar to yeah, being president. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, so actually, uh, another question. Uh, do you ever listen to podcasts? I was kind of curious what your favorite podcasts were. Um, I listen to a lot of kind of news podcasts, uh, the New Yorker. Uh, I listen to the New York Times podcasts uh, and a few others. Yes, I do. Okay. Well, uh, you, are, you are now one of the Local Voices guests, so we'll have to uh, invite you over to, we're going to do a once a year barbecue. Okay. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, for all the guests, because it's a very unique set of characters that, uh, you know, that that all uh -huh. kind of share uh -huh. their story. So, all right. Uh, okay. It's going to be really well, fun I'll to look forward uh, to it. Very good. Yeah, we'll have to all do right. a big well, hug, a big hug at that point. I'm a big hugger. And so I uh, can't wait to give you a hug. <laughs> um, obviously, all right. it's been okay. long awaited, but uh, we'll have to enjoy that at some point uh, in the fall. I will be down for that. Thank you so very much for this wonderful opportunity. And thanks to your uh, listeners. Thank you so much for sharing, Danielle. Okay. Sure thing. Bye-bye.